Hey, welcome to our multiverse. We're excited you're joining us for our new parody comedy series, Superhero Diaries. Hello, this is Batman. Well, sort of. I mean, I'm not one of those actors who gets to play all your favorite superheroes in movies and TV. I guess you would say I'm a parody version of The Dark Knight. Anywho, me and some of my super friends have decided to tell you what we're really thinking when we are doing all those crime-fighting, earth-saving, multiverse-hopping kind of stuff. We will reveal what's behind the mask. Our most private thoughts. Like, who's our secret superhero crush? Gotta go. Girl talk. We have to deal with real-life issues just like you. I mean, how does Spider-Man pee when he's wearing his Spidey onesie? It rides up in the crotch a little bit, too. Does Aquaman talk to fish before he eats them? What is the Hulk's critical review of Wonder Woman 84? And most confounding of all... Someday she just can't get rid of a bomb. How does a guy like me, with no superpowers, get through the week without getting killed every other day? All will be revealed when Superhero Diaries takes off on February 9th. Subscribe now, true believers! If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step right up, one and all, and witness the second ever Who Would Win Show Bare Knuckles Brawl Spectacular. Previously great champions, the Terminator and the Mountain, bashed each other senseless with no weapons allowed. This time in the arena, we have one for the ages. In the red shirt corner, it's the Admiral, James Tiberius Kirk. And in the opposite corner, the man credited with single-handedly saving web series, Eagle Fang Karate's own, Johnny Lawrence. All right, you two, I don't want to see any low blows, beer bottles, or phasers. Let's have a respectable, dirty fight. Now, back to your corners, for this battle is about to begin. It's Cobra Kai versus Starfleet. It's All Valley versus All Around Space. It's Johnny Lawrence versus Captain Kirk today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world 
and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stekanis. Ray, we've hit that magical point. This battle, today's battle, represents the 100th who would win battle between Ray Stekanis and James Gavsey. What do you think about that? A hundred battles. We finally arrived here. What are your thoughts? I'll be honest. When I first started doing this show, I figure I'd beat you five times in a row and just leave. So the fact that we made it to a hundred episodes together is truly monumental. And by a hundred episodes, I know that it's not technically a hundred episodes. It's 102. This is the hundredth battle. And what better way to celebrate it than with two iconic characters, Captain Kirk from Star Trek, huge Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai, recently huge. In a bare knuckles brawl, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. First of all, Johnny Lawrence has always been huge since the 80s. You know, since we ah. we, we we kind of sided with him, we saw him get unfairly bullied by Daniel LaRusso. And, you know, we always hope the best for him. And then we see him in Cobra Kai and he turns things around and turns into this masterful sensei that we always knew he would be. So he's fantastic from day one. Now, by the way, I did a patented search, uh, who would win search on something called Google. To see if anyone else said, yeah, it's it's crazy. The kids are all using it these days. You know, I I wanted to see how often people actually match Johnny Lawrence, Cobra Kai, now Eagle Fang, versus the iconic James T. Kirk. Oddly enough, no one. Yet again, yet again, who would win is the first entity, entertainment vehicle, whatever you want to call it, that's actually talking about this matchup that makes so much sense. So I've got my reasons for why this makes sense. Ray, why do you think this battle is such a natural thing to occur? It's a natural thing to occur because these are two master hand-to-hand combatants with two wildly different styles from two very different universes. In short, a perfect battle for this show. When you think of the ultimate badass from Cobra Kai, you got to go with Johnny Lawrence. You, you just do. Your mind goes there. And when you think of ultimate badass of Star Trek, look, there's a lot to choose from, but you oddly, always oddly enough, fall onto James T. Kirk. Now, with all that being said, when you have an iconic, a legendary matchup like this, you got to bring in a legendary judge. So making their second appearance on the Who Would Win show, you've seen him on Jimmy Kimmel Live and the Conan O'Brien show. You know him as Android 19 from Dragon Ball Z. It's the one, it's the only. It's Philip Wilburn. Philip, welcome back to Who Would Win. I am so glad to be back. I knew it would be iconic when I came back. And this is the match of the ages. We've been kind of, I, I hope you don't mind, but we've been kind of saving you for the best matchup we could. We, we had you on before for He-Man versus Lobo, where you were magnificent, chose the right combatant, oh. gave me the win, by the way. It was just, it was ah. great. And after that, after that episode, you know, the whole Who Would Win team said, okay, we got to bring Philip back, but it's got to be the right episode. So every time we come up with something, it's Philip. Today, whatever it is, the math just works. What are your thoughts on this matchup before we even get into it? Well, I got to say, I'm a child of the 80s, and Captain Kirk was in the 60s, but he had a movie era of the 80s, as well did Johnny. So this seems like it's right in my wheelhouse. Very cool. Yeah, it, it, it just seems like there's a lot of badassery between both of them. Again, a very natural matchup to occur. Now, during this fun time of COVID-19 that we're all experiencing, you seem to be doing quite well. Ray was talking about this before the show. I also checked out the service too. You seem to be very popular on something called Cameo. I am. I have played uh, a certain orange overlord that will not be named. And uh, people in the COVID times, whether love him or hate him, enjoy a greeting from him. And I'm glad to do it. But we'll be entering a new era of Cameo very soon. So 
Check me out there. Well, if I wanted to purchase a, a greeting, a happy birthday greeting, and I know you get asked for a lot of stuff, but if I wanted Android you know, 19 to, to, to show up and say, like, happy birthday to Race to Canis, what would that sound like? Well, if first we'd have to see the cash. That's fair. And then <laughs> after fair. that, it would probably sound a little something like, Ray, I will steal all your energy. Happy birthday. Die nicely. <laughs> oh, that's oh, magnificent. Well, and by I the way, by books. the way, now I just, now I don't have to send, Ray, Ray, happy birthday. There's your present. Yeah, now I'm I got to wow. cut Philip Wilbur in a check. Thanks, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a free one, Ray. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, good. Now, now, <laughs> cool. What were your impressions last time you were on the Who Would Win show? What did you think of what we were doing? Ray was fairly new to the Who Would Win universe, but of course, quickly and greatly just, you know, in, ingratiate himself into everything we're doing. What was your general impressions of the show? I will say this. I will say this. It was very difficult because last time I came in with a preconceived notion because I knew He-Man. I didn't know Lobo. But Ray had some very good points. I was very... I've known Ray for a long time. I, I didn't know he was so scholarly. And so he did a good job. And he usual, as usual lost badly so it was very entertaining and it was very exciting to see how serious you guys are about this Dude, now that was episode 15 of the show so that was very early on in the process now here you are episode 15 to episode 100 a literal 85 battles have happened in between so you ain't seen nothing yet Oh, I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I mean, I know you guys have been kicking ass, so, so I cannot wait. Yeah, it's been great. Ray has really been upping his debating game, all joking aside. I've had to up what I do and my strategy as well. So I'm interested to see how you think we've either progressed, regressed, what's happened. I, I'll ask you after the show to see what you think about the uh, evolution of who would win. Now, with that being said, it's about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. <laughs> Representing Netflix and YouTube, the sensei who isn't invited to any banquets outside of Coors, Johnny Lawrence. And representing Star Trek, the captain who hates St. Patrick's Day with a passion because he's always running into the leprechaun, Captain James T. Kirk. That was awesome. Well done, right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Now, rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I think it goes without saying, you'll be using the definitive version of Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai. Is that correct? That is correct. There's really one version. I'm not going to take the video game version from the new Cobra Kai game that came out. We're sticking with traditional Johnny Lawrence. You know him, you love him. Okay, very cool. I'll be sticking with the iconic 1960s version of Captain Kirk, although I may pull on some of the movies all within the same continuity, all within the same canon. I will not be pulling any feats from Captain Kirk from the recent Star Trek movies starring Chris Pine. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point 
they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new shirts all the time. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Johnny Lawrence. Johnny Lawrence is the main antagonist of the movie The Karate Kid and the main protagonist of the TV series Cobra Kai. He was created by Robert Mark Kamen, is portrayed by William Zabka, and first appeared in The Karate Kid movie in 1984. Growing up rich but in a difficult family, Johnny's life was changed as a tween when he signed up to learn karate at the Cobra Kai Dojo. Gaining confidence for the first time, he flourished in the martial arts, winning two All-Valley Karate tournaments and reaching the finals in a third. Much later in life, Johnny opened up his own Cobra Kai Dojo and took in misfits and outcasts and turned them into a formidable fighting force while trying to get his personal life back in order. Fun fact. The origins of the Cobra Kai TV show might have originated from The Karate Kid, but did you know that the show owes its soul to the other TV show, How I Met Your Mother? Yes, in an episode of Mother, Barney Stinson, of course played by Neil Patrick Harris, makes references to being a fan of the hero of the Karate Kid movie. He's later very, very upset 
when Ralph Macchio shows up to wish him well, because Barney was convinced that Johnny Lawrence was actually the true hero of the movie. William Zabka later shows up in the episode to help calm him down. This premise, an internet theory, led to Cobra Kai producers, uh, the idea that they were going to tell Johnny's story, and success was soon to come thereafter. That is Johnny Lawrence. Very cool. All right, here are the details for Captain Well, Kirk. I got I to say one thing. I'm canon as part of uh, How I Met Your Mother. Interesting. So, you know, I was in an episode of that, so... You're going to have to do a good job with Kirk. Wait a minute. So you're saying thanks to, in part, possibly in a very large way, maybe indirectly or not at all, that Philip Wilburn is responsible for the greatness that is Cobra Kai on YouTube now on Netflix. Is that correct? I'm just saying I had three words on how I met your mother. So obviously there's a connection going on. You know what they say? That those three words saved the show. It was about to be canceled and they decided to give it more seasons. So the later season when this episode that I'm talking about happened, it, it would never have existed without you saying that. Wow. Uh, it's April. There's no, there's no doubt that that... Saved it. Saved the th- show. That saved the show. Ray, we, we've had amazing guests on, on the show before, but never have we had, I don't know what the right word is, entertainment royalty? Royalty. Would that be yeah. correct? Without yeah, royalty. Question. Without question. Okay, well, here are the details for Captain Kirk. Now, James Tiberius Kirk is a fictional character in the iconic Star Trek franchise and first appeared in the broadcast pilot episode, The Man Trap, originally airing on September 8th, 1966. James Kirk was born in Riverside, Iowa in the year 2233, where he was raised by his parents, George and Winona Kirk. Kirk enrolled in Starfleet and quickly distinguished himself, becoming the first and only student at Starfleet Academy to defeat the Kobayashi Maru test, garnering a commendation for original thinking for reprogramming the computer to make the no-win scenario actually winnable. Upon graduating the top 5%, Kirk became Starfleet's youngest starship captain after receiving command of the USS Enterprise for a five-year mission, three years of which are depicted in the original Star Trek series. Now, the character of Captain Kirk has often been described as cunning, courageous, and confident. However, Kirk also has a tendency to ignore Starfleet regulations when he feels the end justifies the means. He is a quintessential officer, a man among men, and a hero for the ages. I'm just saying what people are saying about him. And here's an interesting fact about Captain Kirk. Did you know that Captain Kirk, a.k.a. William Shatner, that is, has never seen one single episode of Star Trek and never watched a single film in the entire Trek universe? It's true. In an interview, Shatner revealed that he's never indulged in any piece of the franchise that launched his career. He's on record of saying, I never watched Star Trek. I have not even seen any of the Star Trek movies. I don't watch myself. When I direct and have to look at film scenes of myself, I suck. While it's not uncommon for actors to avoid watching their own work, Shatner seems to have achieved a new level of avoidance. In the same interview, good old Bill also revealed that he also hasn't kept a single piece of Star Trek memorabilia. I have no idea what that's all about. And now you have the facts of both opponents. Philip, do you have any questions before we get started? Well, I just want to give an anecdote for Captain Kirk. I interviewed him once. I asked him if he had seen any of the shows. And William Shatner said, no, I don't watch things like that. I watch news. I watch sports. You name a popular TV series, and I've never seen it. And without missing a beat, I said, T.J. Hooker. And William Shatner looked at me and said, I watch T.J. Hooker all the time. (laughs) So, no, I have no questions. I am ready to kick some ass and judge some masses. All right. Very cool. Now, here's an important thing. Ray, you mentioned this. And what I think is your one of your most brilliant intros for the show, but there's no weapons allowed. Now, Captain Kirk has a standard issue phaser. That's not part of this. They're both coming into this battle. They have nothing on hand in their immediate vicinity. You know, there's nothing they're coming to this battle with. 
Correct. Not only is there nothing on hand, but I'm not. I'm going to assume that there's not like a rack of weapons or there's not an available phaser nearby. This is going to be set in some kind of an arena fight, some sort of a dojo, Mad Max's Thunderdome, that kind of a thing where it, any kind of weapon would have to be improvised in the spot. Okay, we're agreed. Very cool. All right, so Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Johnny Lawrence. I just call strike first because Johnny is not one who hesitates in battle. Now, I watched a lot of Captain Kirk original series battles because I had a feeling that's where you were going to go with it. And Captain Kirk uh, often also takes the first shot, but he often gets hit with the first shot as well. You very, very rarely see Johnny Lawrence taken by surprise. Kirk is a good counterattacker, but Johnny Lawrence is usually the one who will strike first every single time. Not just that. If you watch Captain Kirk fight, and I know you're going to be talking about this quite a bit, those moves don't make any sense, okay? All of Cobra Kai's Johnny Lawrence's maneuvers are all taken from actual karate, things that actually will work in the actual real world. William Shatner is flying off of walls out of balance. He's throwing both legs up in the air and diving at people. He's, he's doing more things I'm sure you're going to get into, James, in your points. But they just don't make any sense in kind of an actual fight. In fact, the only reason why these maneuvers that Captain Kirk uses works is because they're in the Star Trek universe where he is the hero. If you take him out of that universe, as we do in a Who Would Win show, and put him in a, in a neutral location, in an independent location, that stuff isn't going to fly against a guy who's well-trained in karate. And the karate I'm talking about is Tang Soo Do. And Tang Soo Do is a Korean martial art. Uh, it's kind of similar, and i got to dumb this down a little bit because it's very, very complicated, but similar to Taekwondo or standard karate. And there's a lot of political stuff happening behind the scenes, which caused one to go out of favor and one to be in favor. All that you really need to know about it is it's a very throwing, grabbing, striking a form of karate that's very, very effective in real life. Real life people who use Tang Soo Do are Cynthia Rothrock, Steve McQueen, Michael Jai White, and most importantly, the most proficient, famous person who uses Tang Soo Do is Chuck Norris. Yes, Chuck Norris, the karate that he claims to is the same karate used at the Cobra Kai Dojo, which means when you see Johnny Lawrence fighting, you are effectively watching somebody on an equal level with Chuck Norris. And Philip, I want you to let that set in because we know what Chuck Norris can do in a fight. We've heard the stories of Chuck Norris's tears curing cancer. That may very well be true of Johnny Lawrence as well. And the other thing about when Captain Kirk fights, William Shatner is not the most agile combatant on the battlefield. In fact, I would argue that most of his most effective hits came from his stunt double, not actually from William Shatner's version himself. So if your stunt double has to do all the work for you, oh, by the way, Johnny Lawrence, he does not use a stunt double. He does, but not very often. In fact, he broke his toe in the first season of Cobra Kai, didn't tell anybody, knocked his stunt double out of the way and continued to fight even though he was in pain. That's the kind of character he's bringing to the table, and that's the kind of man that Johnny Lawrence is. He don't need no stunt double, and that's my point number one. Wow. Okay. Congratulations. I was. I, I'm actually impressed by the Tang Soo Do knowledge. Accurate. Very accurate in all your points. You know, I'd say what happens. You know, Chuck Norris being a Tang Soo Do pr practitioner. I mean, that's impressive. That's true. The lineage. When you think about the lineage, they're connected. That's really, really cool. The cool thing about you know, I'll get into this more with Captain Kirk. Is he's more of a uh, Bruce Lee type of fighter where he takes a number of different styles and put them, puts them together because he's not fighting the drunk guys at the bar or someone trying to break into his car. He's fighting for his life. He's fighting for the lives of everyone on his ship. 
He's fighting for the Federation. The stakes are kind of higher, so he's got to fight in a more serious way. More on that later. Physics. You're saying the moves that Captain Kirk uses in Star Trek wouldn't work in the Cobra Kai world. Are physics, are the rules of physics somehow different in the Cobra Kai world than they are in Star Trek? Is that what you're saying? They have to be because some of the stuff Kirk does is frankly ridiculous. Got it. So they're not, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just play with that. Finally. Okay. Let's say it is a stunt double that Captain Kirk uses or, or William Shatner uses. Isn't the stunt double still portraying Captain Kirk? Isn't it still the character of Captain Kirk being portrayed on screen? Therefore, the same character? I refuse to answer that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Very strong kind of point number one. I like a lot of what you had to say, but I'm going to kind of just come at you hard with point number one of my own. Bring I call this 80s versus 23rd century fighting techniques. So, Philip, you'll remember this. In the early 80s, karate was the undeniable ultimate style of martial arts, right? Until Correct. the late right Until the late 80s came, and then it was all about what? Ninjutsu. Remember all those crazy ninja movies that came out? American Ninja True. 1 through 100, Ninja da-da-da-da, you know, Ninja Synagogue, whatever it was, lots of ninja movies. Then the early 90s came, and it was all about ultimate fighting, but really Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Fast forward, now it's about mixed martial arts or MMA. So ask yourself this, why did the evolution happen? Why didn't people stay with one type of martial art if it had all the answers? And the reason why is because no one martial art did have the answers. Fighting styles had to evolve in order to like fill gaps or holes that they may have against certain styles of attacks or submission holds or what have you. So the Federation in the 23rd century has to train its members to fight against all types of opponents, all types of weapons, and even alien monster-like life forms. It's really crazy because they just don't know. It's the final frontier. They have no idea what they're going to go up against. They got to be ready for anything. Again, the stakes are a lot higher. So ask yourself this. How would Johnny Lawrence do against Romulans? or against Klingons, or Vulcans, or any beings who are five times stronger than humans. So look, it would be absolutely interesting to watch, but you got to see, he had a hard time against Daniel LaRusso, who's not, he's a formal opponent, definitely in his own right. He had a hard time against Sensei Kreese. Again, both tough fighters um, in their own way, but I'm thinking he would have an equally hard time against the mainstay alien opponents that Captain Kirk has to come up against all the time, and is easily beaten, by the way. So let's take this a step further. It's actually quite possible that Captain Kirk has mastered 23rd century combat-based MMA. I'm not even kidding about this. And what's exciting to me about this matchup is that it kind of represents that old-school UFC from the early 90s, style versus style, with the Tang Sudo of Johnny Lawrence versus that Federation-based style of MMA that all of their people have to master, and Captain Kirk took it to another level. So in one of the episodes, spoiler alert, by the way, kids, sorry at home, in one of the episodes of Cobra Kai, Johnny Lawrence gets caught in what looks like an armbar that he barely gets out of. Now, if he had even a little bit of jujitsu or submission fighting knowledge, which, by the way, is commonplace these days, he know not to extend his arm like that. He wouldn't get caught. A few seconds later, he then makes the cardinal sin that every MMA practitioner knows. You never, when you're on the ground, turn your back. Never go onto your stomach. Why? Because someone's going to get on your back and put a choke on you. And that's exactly what Johnny Lawrence did. Sensei Kreese came in, put a chokehold on him that was about to knock him unconscious until someone came along and saved him from getting choked out, Daniel LaRusso. Take the toughest person doing karate from the 80s and put them against the toughest person doing MMA now. How does that work out? And it's not to take away from the toughness of karate. There are some amazingly tough people doing it. But put them against an MMA fighter, they're not going to do too well. Now, put them against an MMA fighter who's fighting for their lives against alien beings and what have you from the 23rd century, after they've had centuries to keep mastering martial arts, fine-tuning it, and making the, the ultimate style uh, readily available. And what you're going to see is that the karate master 
or the Tang Sudo master has what you call a puncher's chance. Now, a puncher's chance just means it's it's very, very slim. Maybe they can follow a wild punch, maybe catch the person, but it's like a one out of a 100 chance of winning. In this particular battle, that's what Johnny Lawrence has to Captain Kirk's mastery of 23rd century combat style MMA. And that's why he's not winning that fight. That's my point number one. That is a giant pile of absolute nonsense coming from James. I'm used to the uh, intoxicating mind fog in point number three. You're coming right out the gate with it. Let me tell you, if William Shatner, excuse me, Captain James T. Kirk, as portrayed by William Shatner, is actually sitting here with the most evolved form of combat training in the entire universe, he's clearly not using it because his combat technique involves him jumping against a wall and then falling backwards into his opponent and and throwing both legs up in the air and just hoping something good happens. This is a comical form of fighting. This is clearly not showing any kind of deeper training. So if he has actually this training, he clearly is ignoring it. The other thing I would say is, while Johnny Lawrence did lose to Daniel LaRusso, he lost to an illegal kick. And that needs to be put on the record. Johnny Lawrence was fighting within the rules and the traitorous Daniel LaRusso was not. Philip, you had something to say there for a second before well, I kind of rebut that. You know, he was saying how all of these, this may not be a training. Maybe in the future we learn that bouncing off walls doesn't injure you as much as some of the moves from today. I don't know that, but I think you're leaping to some different things there, Ray. I mean, we don't know what his actual training is. And uh, I will say that even though the San Fernando Valley is filled with amazingly unusual alien style people, they are not quote unquote aliens from another planet with different powers than us. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very confused because I, I, I'm seeing a lot of stuff from Johnny, but that, you know, aliens and different gravity styles could be very interesting, could give him an advantage. You know, Phil, I, and, and Ray knows this too. I, you know, I've, I'm very familiar with the martial arts scene in the Valley, you know, the actual Valley talked about in Cobra Kai. And, you know, I love to tell you that's exactly that it's a perfect representation of martial arts that are currently happening in the Valley that happens in Cobra Kai. I love to tell you that, but I can't because it's not even close. But I will tell you this. Even I will say, I, I, I understand the greatness that is Johnny Lawrence. I understand the fighting ability that is Johnny Lawrence. You can never take him, though. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself, if someone can pull off crazy moves and make them work, are they really bad moves? Or is that person just that good of a fighter? I may have something more about that in my point number two. Ray. Now, real quick before we get there, Philip, I want to push back on your, your judging just a second because you are from the state of Texas. And if you were to ask people all around the great state of Texas, if the people in the Los Angeles Valley area are probably aliens, I bet nine times out of 10, you're going to get an answer of yes. They would probably say that. And as a Texan, I have actually witnessed Chuck Norris doing a roundhouse kick, watching an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger being filmed. And I've seen this happen in in real life. And I know the power of that style of fighting. And I know the power of Walker himself. I mean, the eyes of a stranger are upon us all as we sit. But truth of the matter is, I'm just saying the alien situation is just an it's just an interesting concept I hadn't thought about. You know, I got to tell you, Philip, you, you, you saved the Cobra Kai series with one appearance on how on how I met your mother. Great show. Um, I should watch it sometime. Also, 
uh, you you witnessed Chuck Norris throwing a kick on the iconic show Walker Texas Ranger, and I'm sure you saved that show as well. Are there other shows that we don't know about that you saved? Have you saved entire networks? I mean, what kind of greatness? I don't want to get into all the shows I've saved, but I mean, it, Doris Roberts was on the episode. My God, iconic wow. actors in the echelon. I, I mean, mean Doris fair, Roberts have, herself was a famous you, karate expert. When you have Chuck Norris on your show, it probably doesn't need Philip Wilburn saving. You just bring him in just in case, just in case something just happens. Just in case. I was there to help Chuck if he needed it. I understand. Right. So so we're at an interesting point for after our point number one. I'm interested in what you've got to say for point number two. For point number two for Johnny Lawrence, this point's called strike hard. And striking hard is something some of these aliens can do. You know, we know that the Klingons have enhanced strength. We know that the Vulcans have enhanced strength. They don't necessarily have deeper combat knowledge than what we have in today. They might have different tactics in warfare, but when we see them fighting on the battlefield, it doesn't look that different than what we know of today. So I would argue that the Klingons and Vulcans, while they do bring in enhanced strength and maybe a slightly a better a ability to take pain, they're not coming with a type of martial arts that's so wholly different than something that we have seen today. So technique-wise, I think Johnny Lawrence would fit right in. He would just have to personally step his game up and get his life together better in order to fight those kind of characters, something that in the world of Encino, he has not been necessarily asked to do. Now, that being said, let's talk about Captain Kirk fighting aliens because he fought the Gorn in one of the most famous, iconic Star Trek episodes ever. And the big thing I noticed about the Gorn is that he did a lot of dodging. He did a lot of getting hit. He did a lot of getting bear hugged. He did his patented two-handed chop to the neck of the Gorn. And did the Gorn fall over in pain? No, the Gorn kept going as if nothing happened. That's because those attacks aren't that particularly good against these aliens you're talking about. He no-sold it. But that being said, Kirk's, for Kirk's got some wins. And he's got some wins in some crazy 1966 Batman and Robin style fights. You know, it is wild. It is out there. It is strange. And somehow some of the stuff does work. But when you look at the fights of Johnny Lawrence in Cobra Kai, the garage fight where he ends up fighting with Daniel LaRusso and he fights a group of five or six really large men, most of them carrying chains, tire irons, garage style weapons. And Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso together are able to mop the floor with all of them, barely getting hit themselves, fighting much larger, much stronger type of people. Maybe not Klingon strong, but gosh darn strong for the world that he is in. And he's able to take these people out with a good kick to the head here and there, because that's the kind of shots that actually work. He fought Kreese in the Cobra Kai dojo, a different fight than the one you're talking about, where he absolutely cleaned his clock. He was able to take Kreese out. The only reason why Johnny has struggled to fight Kreese is because of the demons of his past. It's because Kreese unlocked something in him that he will always be grateful for and made him a better person as a result. So, despite how terrible Kreese can be on the show, Johnny does not want to beat him up if he can at all help it until maybe something happens in season three. Sure, I don't want to spoil that necessarily if you haven't watched the show. But he doesn't have that emotional connection to Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk doesn't have a past with Johnny Lawrence. Johnny Lawrence has no reason to hold back, so he's going to strike hard every single time and try to get through his opponent with no strings attached. And the last one to bring up, the bar fight. He has a bar fight with his former Cobra Kai friends fighting off a whole gang of, what are they, bikers, gang members? There's something fighting around a pool table, and him and his Cobra Kai friends, most of whom don't do karate anymore, so Johnny has to carry an, a very heavy load in this battle. They're able to whoop all the bikers, including ripping out the uh, earpiece 
from a, a gauge from one of the bikers there at the bar to start the fight. So when it comes to using imp- improvised weapons, he's able to take the, the pitcher and smash people with it or glass of beer. He's able to take things off the wall and use them. Johnny Lawrence is a great improviser in battle, and I've proven it in all of these examples. And that's why if he can fight three, four of these guys at the same time and win, he could absolutely fight one guy, Captain Kirk, who's bouncing off the wall. And that's why Johnny Lawrence is going to win. And that's my point number two. Wow. That's, uh, that's okay. So the Klingons, you're saying they don't have any like fighting techniques or, 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 no. w- you know, martial arts styles that no, would I'll be say they completely have surprising their own, humans. They have their own fighting techniques, but when you watch the Klingons on the original Star Trek show, because that is what you're primarily pulling from here. What are they, what are they doing? That's going to blow my mind as far as MMA goes. What, what weird thing, what weird moves are they pulling out? They tend to do just a lot of using their bodies to strike and grab. That's the same stuff we see in Cobra Kai. So yeah, Klingons use a lot of weapons, a lot of different style weapons. And that's that element of surprise because he's not going to be Johnny Lawrence against a Klingon. By the way, I'd pay a hundred bucks to watch that right now. I'd love that. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? But uh, when it comes to like that kind of range of, of unknown factors when you're up in combat, that's something where Captain Kirk, I can't say how Johnny Lawrence would do against a Klingon because we've never seen it. I do know that Captain Kirk without weapons, anywhere from one third to one fifth the strength, is probably going to be the safe money to bet on in that fight. That's a difference. Also, you talked about some great fights that Johnny Lawrence had with his former martial arts buddies from Cobra Kai and also that garage fight with Daniel LaRusso. The two things those fights have in common is that he didn't do it alone. Now, I'm not saying he couldn't, but in those two examples, he did not. He had help. I think that's really it. Oh, by the way, I do take exceptions. Kind of an insult, actually. The double axe handle that you're referring to, the reason that does work really well. I'm going to get into this more my point number two. Remember the Gorn was this large lizard creature where Captain Kirk got away from it after dodging successfully, went to the top of this kind of hilly mountain kind of thing, at least two stories high, picked up a 50-pound rock, tossed it at him, and the Gorn just let it bounce off his chest like he was James Gabsy or something. The Gorn was a completely different species of alien. More on that later, but that was definitely way more powerful than a Klingon, more powerful than a Romulan, more powerful than a Vulcan, by far. More on that later. Let Not me get more to- powerful than Chuck Norris. I mean, Chuck Norris is in there, but again, we're comparing Captain Kirk is following the, the, the lead of Bruce Lee here. Because remember, it's in the future. They've already had the benefit of Jeet Kune Do and his teachings and MMA and what have you. Now, for my point number two, I'm going to call this the mastery of Kirk Fu. So years ago, I found this really cool Star Trek guide out to the Federation. And it listed every member of, of, I think it was the Next Generation and the original series, and they ranked them based off intelligence, technical ability, proficiency, and whatever. And then it came to fighters, and it said, here's who they are, and it listed them. And I wish I could have again. It listed everyone in rank for the top fighters. So here's the top three. Actually, Ray, who do you think the top three fighters were? The top three fighters in the world of Star Trek? Yes. Is that just original series or overall? Overall. Overall. You got to put Worf up in there. He's going to be very, very high on my list. You're going to put seven of nine up there. She's going to be very, very high up on my list. And of course, when Dwayne the Rock Johnson played a pit fighter on an episode, you have to put him in there as well. Well, you're right with Worf. He was ranked number three. Number- I would say Riker was the other person. Riker was not in the top three. Oh, yeah. Data was number Outrageous. two. Data was number oh. two. That kind of makes some sense. And this surprised me. Number one was Captain Kirk. Oh, God. Yeah, Captain Kirk was listed as the most capable, highest-rated fighter in the Federation. That's between the next generation. I don't know if they actually mentioned, this may have come up in a book before Voyager, so I don't know. 
But yeah, he was definitely rated at least between Next Generation and the original series as a top fighter. And after doing a lot of research, I can kind of understand why. So what can Captain Kirk do that most people would look at, laugh at, say that was never worked, but he pulls off beautifully. Okay, he's got the rolling sweep. This one's ridiculous. He, he's got a number of steps in doing that. First, assume the fetal position, roll gently towards your opponents, somehow knock them all down with complete annihilation, and they trip, they fall, they hit the ground so far, they knock themselves out, they can't get back up. He did this one time against this huge humanoid-looking creature with an axe running right at him. What did he do? Talked himself to a fetal position, rolled at his legs, knocked the guy down. He knocked himself on the ground. Complete win. How that works, I have no idea. I tried this in one of my MMA classes. Yeah, it was disastrous. Don't ever try this at home unless you know how to do a Captain Kirk style. Here's another one that's really cool. He's got this something called the Andorian Body Slam. That's what Ray was referring to. So here are the steps. Number one, jump at a wall. Number two, push or bounce off the wall with your feet once you hit it. And step number three, turn around midair. Step number four, smash your butt into your opponent as if it were a powerful battering ram. Again, Captain Kirk did this to an Andorian. I believe that's a much more powerful alien than a human and knock that person down. Again, Ray, you and I will look at this and say, like, that's ridiculous. Captain Kirk pulls it off. That's how awesome he is. Here's another one. It's called pillow blindness. I don't know. It didn't have a name. I just said that. This is against a knife fighter or someone with a weapon. Step one, get a long pillow that's really soft. Step two, let the person come at you with a stabbing motion. Step three, block it with the pillow. Step four, throw the pillow in the person's eyes, blinding him somehow. Step five, get out of there safely. Captain Kirk can pull that off. I know a lot about knife fighting. Never used a pillow for it before, but Captain Kirk can do it. But his most powerful technique, Ray, this one's ridiculous, beyond ridiculous. It's the one that sets him apart from all the rest. It's his insanely powerful and quite deadly judo chop. We've seen him do that a million times. So just how crazy this move against multiple opponents, Ray, and I'm talking about like six or seven of them with weapons, sometimes with phasers or like laser weapons, Captain Kirk can take them all out with one chop each, one chop to the neck, either the front or the back. We've seen that a number of times in the 60s series. One chop, Ray Sicanus, against Klingons, Vulcans, and other superhuman aliens. It might take him three, maybe four chops, but he gets the job done with chops. Now, just how badass is Captain Kirk's judo chop? Let me put it this way. It's so badass that currently Olympic judo doesn't even have any strikes in it, never mind chops. There's no punches, no kicks in Olympic judo. Somehow that means Kirk figured out how to use judo, otherwise known as the gentle, wa- gentle way, to power up the effectiveness of a striking technique. Again, okay, mind blown. He's such a fighting genius, Ray, that he used a grappling style to make his striking style more effective. Figure that out. These are just some of the few fighting techniques Captain Kirk uses so effectively. Again, there's no reason why these techniques should work. No reason whatsoever. But yet, Captain Kirk pulls them off and he pulls them off easily. The skill to do this is kind of something, I don't know, Chuck Norris wish he could do, but that Bruce Lee does. Chuck Norris attached lineage-wise to Johnny Lawrence. Bruce Lee, direct lineage to Kirk Fu. That's my point number two. James, that is, of course, absolutely ridiculous. Look, I watched a lot of Captain Kirk fights, and often he's in these fights, and he just gently pushes somebody who flops over. Now, we have a thing in the wrestling world called jobbers, and jobbers are people who are designed to make the protagonist wrestler look good in the ring no matter what the heck it is they're doing. And if you know what you're looking for, it becomes an art form all to its own. And when I watch Captain Kirk fight, look, he fights a lot of defenseless people. He fights a lot of women. He fights a lot of old people. He fights a lot of people that he ought not be fighting, James. 
And yes, he dominates them when he fights. Much in the same way, when I go to a first grade classroom, I could take them all out without breaking a sweat. But that don't make me any kind of a great fighter, James. So what I'm saying is, other than preying on the defenseless, when you actually see Kirk in the middle of an actual fight, yes, he is doing this rolling around on the ground, flopping his body all over the place, but he's also taking just as much of a beating and getting knocked over as he is delivering it to other people. He, he will take a hit, and this is where I think it's very, very important, because clearly, the people that he's fighting in Star Trek are often jobbers. These are people that just have no business even being in the ring, quite frankly. But when he fights the aliens and whatnot, he has a little bit more trouble. If Johnny Lawrence is striking you, he's not just punching you. He's punching through to you to the guy behind you. From watching these fight scenes, nobody in the world of Star Trek is doing that. So if he's going to get hit like he gets hit all the time in Star Trek by Johnny Lawrence, he's going to be in a world of hurt and damage. Quick question. Has Johnny Lawrence ever had someone roll at them in the fetal position really, you know, in such a way to knock him down? He would murder that person. What so are the, you talking about? So the answer Somebody is no, he's never had that. So weakly like that. Yeah, because nobody would do that because it's a terrible, terrible maneuver. I, and yet somehow it works. See, here's the thing, Ray. When it, listen, when it comes to wrestling, your knowledge is, is unparalleled. When it comes to fighting, here's the deal. I know this stuff. I've had my butt kicked by people from all over the world because I wanted to learn what techniques they used. I've never once, Ray, not once, ever encountered someone who I, I've allowed people to, to chop me in the neck thinking, oh, wow, this is going to work. It, it hurt, but it didn't do anything. I've allowed people to put me in different submissions, cranks, hit me in different ways. And not one of them had the effectiveness of one Captain Kirk judo chop or one, you know, tuck and roll or an Andorian body slam or whatever it was called. Nothing. Congratulations, He's at that James. Level. That just means that you're not a jobber. You're at least a curtain jerker. Congratulations. <laughs> I love it. All right, Philip. We're at that magical point of the show called the turning point. This is where you have to figure out who's ahead in this battle and what does the other side have to do to win? Well, I've got to say, it's really interesting right now. I mean, on one side, Johnny is so great, but you made a very good point about how he was getting helped in these fights that, that Ray was bringing up. That's a, you know, and I'm, I'm drawing from the knowledge of what you bring up and knowledge I know, but I'm, I'm trying to be put my knowledge out of this by listening to your points. James, on the other side, you made a very big point to say we're talking about Kirk in the 60s. Klingons of the 60s were not carrying around batholiths, and they were not Christopher Lloyd getting kicked by Shatner in the face. He's a very powerful Klingon, but you said it was 60s Kirk, so... I don't know. It's very, it's very tight. But yet, I've been to Vasquez Rocks. I've seen where Shatner threw the wood, uh, the the rock at the people, and I will say, that's a very high thing, and that's a very big rock to be thrown at the Gorn. So, minusculely, I would say at this point, Captain Kirk has got a slight edge over Johnny. But Johnny's used to being the underdog. That's what I will say. Is he though? Is he though? Is he used to be? All right. No, that's a good, that's a good analysis. Ray, this always happens. We're very, very close. Good argument so far. Go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Point number three for Johnny Lawrence. I want to talk about, first off, the point is called no mercy because no mercy is what Kirk is going to get in this fight because Kirk has to follow the prime directive, which means that he's really not supposed to be going down to planets and hurting people because there are consequences. He's been demoted before. He's lost his ship before. He's dealt with a whole lot of really bad consequences to his acting out 
and his actions. So I would like to believe that by the time this fight rolls around and Johnny Lawrence is fighting Captain Kirk, Kirk maybe potentially at this point has learned a lesson about listening to Starfleet and following the prime directive and not just going in willy nilly and karate chopping every woman he comes across in the street like we've seen him do on the Star Trek show. At one point, towards the end of season three, in the finale of season three, there is a gigantic fight that breaks out. Without getting into too many specifics, one of the best fighters on the show is there with Johnny Lawrence, and Johnny Lawrence is looking at him, and they say, that's enough. He's taken enough damage. He's been defeated. Johnny Lawrence looks, and he says, no. No, he hasn't. Why? Because no mercy. The lesson of no mercy is one of the tenets of Cobra Kai. Sweep the leg, Daniel. In the original Karate Kid movie, the combatant that fought Daniel LaRusso before Johnny got himself disqualified intentionally by trying to break his knee. And Johnny came in unethically, and he was able to do dirty fighting in order to get over the hump. Now, when it comes to dirty fighting, I'm not going to say Captain Kirk is a choir boy, but he at least tries to stick to being somewhat honorable, even when he's beating on the defenseless. Johnny Lawrence will not. Johnny Lawrence will sweep the leg. He will teach people to do that as well. Johnny Lawrence might at the end of his day want to be ethical, but his background is not being ethical. He beat up kids in the pilot of the series because they were bullying another kid, and he had no problem kicking the butts of four of them all by himself, no help required, and these were, you know, these were like football-playing kids. Like, these were not just like regular teenagers. Not just that. I mentioned before in an earlier point, and I think it's very, very important here. Johnny Lawrence does take a loss. He does get beat up in the Cobra Kai and Karate Kid movie series, as it were with the exception of the finals of the All-Valley Tournament when Daniel LaRusso used the illegal kick, Johnny Lawrence only loses a battle because he thinks about it too much. He's got a connection to the person, whether it's his own son, whether it's Daniel LaRusso himself, whether it's his sensei, Kreese. All of these people that he has either fought or gotten beat up a little bit by over the course of a fight is because he has an emotional reason not to want to beat them up. I've said it before, I'll say it again. He has no reason not to want to mop the floor with a guy flying all around the place, doing absolutely insane maneuvers that would never work in an actual non-Star Trek universe. And that's why Johnny Lawrence easily wins. Because remember, even though he didn't want to fight his own kid and his own kid, Robbie, beat him up a little bit, he turned around and beat up Robbie and threw him into a locker's corner, knocking him unconscious. He did that to his own son. And if he'll do that to his own son, what do you think he's going to do against a guy wearing a toupee, wearing a captain's gear? What kind of rude names do you think he'd be calling Captain Kirk right out the gate to enrage him, to throw him off his game, and to win the fight? Because what Johnny wants to do in the karate he teaches, what is it to do? Is it to better yourself as a person? No. Is it to learn how to wash cars and paint fences better? No. It's to win fights of combat. That's all he does. That's all he needs to do. That's all he wants to do. And that's all he will do today. And that is my point number three. Ray, I feel like, I mean, I believe that you watched Cobra Kai and Karate Kid, but I don't feel like you absorbed the lessons of Cobra Kai or Karate Kid. Johnny Lawrence, first of all, his karate is all about bettering you as a human being. It means be tough when you need to be. Be merciful when you have to be, but don't let people walk all over you. Stand up for yourself. No That's mercy good... is literally the third tenet of Cobra Kai, James. What are you talking about? And, uh, well, spoiler alert, all of a sudden he has a change of mind in, in, seri- in uh, the second season, right, which is a good one, and that more reflects who his character is. He's not about destroying people. He's about, let's build each other up, but don't be walked on. Don't be a victim. That's yeah, a really and good And what happens message. when somebody takes that lesson? They get paralyzed, James. 
He learned that that doesn't work. Hashtag spoiler alert, not for long. Anyway, also, you got to remember, when you're talking about ethical, we're talking about Star Trek from the 60s. Let's just go with the 60s. And what was, I'm using air quotes here, ethical back then is not ethical right now. There was one, one episode where Captain Kirk has found himself as a prisoner and he's now a slave. And there's another woman who's also a slave and they kind of get close, get to know each other. He gives her her first kiss. She's like, that's amazing, incredible. What is that? He's like, I just wanted to show you some affection. And then what's he do? He knocks her out. He knocks her right out, He James. knocks her right out. Do you know why? Very, because very he's like, dirty yeah, man. Yeah, right. He's like, that's the better alternative than having you have to fight me later on. That's who he is. He fights dirty because he has bigger stakes to fight for. All right. Is that dirty, James, or is that cheap? That feels very cheap to me. That's a little bit of both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and it all works because that's Captain Kirk style. All right. This actually brings me perfectly to point number three. I call this the master improviser with the big wins. So remember, Kirk is going to this fight. He's got no weapons, but it doesn't mean he won't be able to find something to use as a weapon in a fight. And when you look at this, I'm not saying Johnny Lawrence couldn't find something to use, but he's not a master of it. He doesn't have big wins when he does that. Not the same way Captain Kirk does. So Captain Kirk has this level of resourcefulness. It's kind of unparalleled. And it's this resourcefulness, which has enabled him to have super big wins against superhuman opponents. I'm not kidding by that. So in the Star Trek episode named Where No Man Has Gone Before, Kirk has to take down this psionically possessed friend of his who's now turned evil. His name was Gary Mitchell. To put this in context, Gary Mitchell's psionic abilities gave him telekinesis, super strength, super speed, super durability. He could shoot lightning. It was like he was possessed by the force. It was crazy. So they beam down the planet. He's fighting Kirk. Kirk has nothing except his martial arts and fighting skills. He takes on the psionically enhanced Gary, knocks him, does a throw, puts him into this pit that then Captain Kirk gets somehow timed and these rocks came down, took him out, killed him. Maybe it was a lucky shot. Maybe it was all timed. But Captain Kirk has a win against a psionically enhanced superhuman being. And all he had were his wits and his fighting techniques. But he did use the grave kind of as the pit as kind of like a foreign object. That was kind of cool. Another one, this is, I think is crowning achievement. He took on this character named Khan, right? That same Khan from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Now, Khan was this bioengineered ultimate warrior. I'm pulling the ultimate warrior card for Khan here. He evidently ruled one quarter of the Earth from like 1991 to 1996 in the fictional Star Trek universe. So the powers that be came in, captured him and, and his, his group. They kind of escaped, put themselves cryogenics, whatever. Captain Kirk found them, revived them, and then hijinks ensue. Khan, five times stronger than a peak human. Smarter, faster, bioengineered to be a genius, tactical monster, the whole thing. He takes on Captain Kirk one-on-one, no weapons. Kirk is evading the, th- you know, the shots. He's being thrown a little bit. He puts on leg scissors like you were talking about, flips him over. That doesn't do any damage. He throws Captain Kirk into a panel. Captain Kirk finds this pipe that happens to be hiding in. It's a control mechanism. He pulls it out, dodges blows, and then knocks the hell out of Khan with like five or six shots with his pipe, takes him completely out. Another victory with a superhuman, five times stronger than person than a peak human being. And guess what? He did it. Resourcefulness and by cheating and by playing dirty. That's not the best one. Let's talk about the Gorn. Okay, so the Gorn was this alien captain from another ship. These other aliens say, let's see who wins this Earth captain versus the Gorn captain. You know the deal. Captain Kirk's trying to hit the Gorn, all that. Super durable. It's like a walking dinosaur in humanoid form. Nothing's happening. Captain Kirk goes to the top, throws a rock at him. It bounces off. The Gorn picks up a boulder, throws it at Captain Kirk. He barely gets out of the way. Through his own ingenuity and resourcefulness, what's he do? He uses the minerals. He finds diamonds. He uses bullets and makes a makeshift cannon out of nothing except the raw materials there shoots the Gorn by leading him into the trap, pretending he's being hurt, 
The Gorn follows him, boom, gets in range, gets shot, taken out. That's another huge win for Captain Kirk using resourcefulness and his fighting ability. Now, let's compare all of this to Johnny Lawrence when he had the chance to improvise and use a weapon against his deadliest opponent ever. Of course, I'm talking about Sensei Kreese. So during a fight I mentioned earlier, Johnny Lawrence is fighting Sensei Kreese. Long story short, they're both trading blows. Johnny Lawrence is kind of getting ahead and he accidentally puts his hand on the wall and grabs a weapon. It's called a sigh. It looks like a, a fork where the middle prong is really, really long. So he grabs it, but he looks at Sensei Kreese and he's like, nah, and he drops it. So as they're fighting, Sensei Kreese sees the opportunity. He grabs the, the sigh, hits Johnny Lawrence in the back of the head with it, and is about, and then applies that choke and is about to kill him. Johnny Lawrence had the chance to take him out, hit him with the other end, not stab him, but hit him with the other end, the blunt end of the sigh, completely take out Kreese. He didn't do it because why? He'd rather hit him and use his martial arts techniques instead of relying on his resourcefulness and just take out the thing. The difference between Johnny Lawrence and Captain Kirk, Johnny Lawrence wants to win the fight his way. He wants to do it in devastating fashion, use great martial arts. Captain Kirk has to win because if he doesn't, the consequences are dire. That means the crew's going to die. Other people are, are going to get destroyed. His ship will be destroyed, whatever it is. So Johnny Lawrence is trying to win the fight. Captain Kirk can't afford to lose. Those are completely, two completely different mindsets when it comes to fighting. And that's why in the end, Captain Kirk wins his fight. That's my point number three. Oh, I mean, a whole lot of nonsense, a whole lot of straight up garbo Greta Garbo coming out of your mouth right now, James. I'm offended, actually. I am offended at some of these points that you are trying to bring up right here. Look, the idea that Captain Kirk can't lose because of the Federation, that just means that there's more weight put on his head. That just means that there's more having to go through his mind. Johnny Lawrence goes into every single fight saying, I am here and I am in the moment. I don't have to worry about all that other stuff. I am here in the moment fighting. It's really the purest moment I can have all day. And if I get beat up, so it goes. If I beat up the other guy, so it goes. But I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it my all. And I'm going to pull this in and stay in the moment. So what you described actually sounds like a weakness of Kirk more than anything else. The big thing I want to mention here as we, as we get off of it is the fact that Captain Kirk's fighting style, as we've seen him fight, is very sloppy. It's unorthodox, to say, to say the least. But it very, very much puts his body at risk all the time. You don't throw your body flying through the air at your enemies. And you don't roll into a ball Metroid style and go up underneath them like that. And you don't jump against the wall and then fall against people. That all puts your own body at risk in a position that you can't defend yourself if you're hit. One of the big tenets of Tang Sudo is protecting yourself at all times. It's to make sure that you don't give your opponent an opening. And that's a huge difference between these fighting styles. Johnny Lawrence is going to, yes, be very, very aggressive, but not put himself at risk while he does it. Well, as Captain Kirk is a balls to the wall, all offense, throw my body out there and just hope something good happens. Those two fighting styles, when they meet, and that's what we're talking about, James, when they meet, Captain Kirk is going to put himself at risk and Johnny is going to slap him down over and over again, eventually knocking him out, as has happened on Star Trek plenty of times. That's all I have to say about that. Just wondering, when Captain Kirk gets into it with Johnny Lawrence, and let's say, I don't think this will happen, but let's say he's ending up like he's realizing, okay, this is someone who's tougher than I realized. I got I to gotta figure something out. Is he going to lose his cool? Is he going to lose his comp? No, he's going to kind of stay calm. He's going to figure things out. He may even distract Johnny Lawrence with some cool psychology. Look, it's a Captain Kirk swagger. We all know he's got it. And then he's going to find a weapon or what we call an equalizer to take him out, just like he did with Khan and the Gorn. And that's all I got to say about that. Now, Philip, you've heard some points from Ray. You've heard some points from me. Now it's time for you to give us your decision. Take us through your process step by step 
and tell us who wins this battle. Oh man, this is this is a tough one. I mean, I've got to be honest. So, well, you got. I mean, Johnny's style is so pure. I'm listening to where he came from. I'm listening to what his what he learned, what he what he did, and I I know Kirk's background. Kirk has he's gone to Starfleet Academy. He's he breaks the rules, but the needs of the many always outweigh the needs of the few or the one. This is a battle between the two. It's 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 very tough. I'm just imaging, thinking of that in my mind of how it would work, because Ray's point of of Kirk throwing himself at Johnny and putting himself in peril. Well, that is one thing that Johnny's always done is find weakness, and I don't. And in some ways, I think maybe he would his personality now might be more sympathetic. But this is a this is a fight. One of them's going to come out of it, and so he's going to go back to his his ways of of fighting. What he knows, what he knows. But Captain Kirk is always resourceful. He he realizes what he needs to do. He 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 take he does do the psychology. I am I'm very torn. I'm very torn. But I'm going to make a decision, and it's going to be a controversial one. I think, James, you tied your hands with 1960s Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, at his oldest, fought people in the desert with Captain Jean-Luc Picard. He fought Christopher Lloyd as a Klingon in Star Trek The Search for Spock. He fought giant aliens on Rorapente, the Klingon mining prison but you left all that out that would have put you over the top but i'm gonna give it to johnny lawrence thank you so oh my goodness this is a this is a surprise of a decision as i think i've ever had on the who would win show philip for the people listening at home who are not watching the video show what is behind you on the desk i am a captain kirk fan I love Captain Kirk, but my favorite Captain Kirk is in this uniform. Older Kirk, wiser Kirk, and James, Kirk. you left that out. You left it out completely. You, you referenced it, but you said you wanted to stick in the 60s, Kirk. And there were many, many. I mean, if you think about an old man, which Johnny Lawrence is also in this, not an old man, but an older man. If you could have had a 60, 70-year-old Captain Kirk fighting Johnny Lawrence and winning, I probably would have given it to you. That is absolutely outstanding. You know, for a guy who's done this whole episode with the literal bridge of the Enterprise and the Enterprise ship itself, literally one foot away from him the entire time. You know, my only question, Philip, is this. So he did all these great things as he's older. You're saying he wouldn't be as powerful when he was in his 30s? To be able to do that, you're saying he's more powerful in his 60s and 70s? I think, in my opinion, my humble opinion as a judge, I think he got wiser with age and he learned. He, like Johnny Lawrence, got better with age and he got to be more powerful, even though he was at his peak. And I'm taking Johnny Lawrence because Johnny Lawrence was so down on his luck and as come out triumphant 
And that's what yeah. I'm I'm judging the whole man. And I am with Philip Wilbert on this, obviously, but I'm also with Philip Wilbert on this because that fight from Star Trek Six against the alien he kicks in the shins and knocks him out because it turned out not to be his shins. I thought for sure you were going to put that on the record because that's a feat. But also the Kirk from the movies learned to not put his body at risk the same way that the 1960s Captain Kirk did. And I just have to say, James, I think you dropped the ball on this one and I'm happy to pick it up and dunk it over you. Posterize me, everybody. Dunk. Ah, Philip Wilburn. You know, but who else did he fight? He fought himself. He fought himself in Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country. It was an alien betraying himself, but he came out even. He came out even going up against himself. It took his wit, though, from that period to get them to kill the other guy. He used his wit mm-hmm. to kill the other guy. But I, would have, I, I probably would have given it to you if you had given the entire Kirk. Uh, Philip Wilburn, you know what? You're so wise. I do have to disagree with you, but I can't, I got to tell you, I love how you state your answer. So it's kind of like this. And and I love Kirk. I love James T. Kirk so much. I I really do. I got to admit something. Johnny Lawrence's entire power comes from his redemption in the future and, and his peak of being who he was. I, I got to tell you, as I was re- as I was getting ready for this fight and researching Johnny Lawrence, and of course I watched season three, and I don't want to give away any more spoilers than I already have, but I will tell you the ending of season three was so amazing, so incredible, that it made me question, you know, when the Who Would Win team said, hey, you're going to take Captain Kirk, I was actually pretty confident, and then I saw the ending of season three of Cobra Kai, and all of a sudden, everything, I questioned everything about Captain Kirk in this battle. Absolutely everything. So in a weird way... Yeah, I think Captain Kirk is still about the win. Yeah, on the other hand, I'm kind of happy John, Johnny Lawrence got it. It's about time he got his due. It's the ultimate redemption arc for one of the greatest characters of modern age television. Anyway, so with that being said, Philip Wilburn, great job on your part. Awesome decision. I don't necessarily say I would agree with 100%, but I do see your logic behind that. And I will know for next time. Good, sir. Uh, it's always good having... An entertainment heavyweight, entertainment godlike figure such as yourself on the show. <laughs> it's uh, it just makes things more interesting, and and that's about it. So Ray, congratulations on this great fight. I deserve it. Philip, tell us where we can find you online. You know, check me out. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Cameo. I'm on Twitter. Everything's at Philip Wilburn. Real easy to find me. Very cool, Ray. Congratulations on another really good victory on your part. Great job with uh, presenting Johnny Lawrence. You did him justice on the show. I'm appreciative of that. Because I'm a huge fan. so And uh, I can't believe I gave Ray a win. It's unbelievable. Uh, it really unbelievable, shocked me more than anything You know what? Else. He deserved it this time. You know, 2020 was said to be so crazy that 2021, there was, it had to be less crazy. Everyone's finding out that's not the case in their own way this time, right? It's all good. Ray can get the win. This is good. All right. Ray, please tell everyone where they can find you online. Well, first off, before we talked about me, I wanted to read a recent review uh, because I'm in a great mood because, you know, Philip Wilburn came in and you did maybe one of the greatest judging jobs I've ever seen of, despite knowing a lot about a character, going with the argument presented. And so, Philip, I just want to say mad respect to you. Also, giving me the win p- makes you now one of the, at least in the upper half of all judges we've ever had on the show. Now, that being said, uh, I have a review here. It's called Let's Get Some Gotham City Reps from Captain Falcon 14. You'll see why I'm reading it. 
they're giving us five stars because we deserve it. And y'all should go on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give us five stars as well. I'm hopefully that's enough of a bribe to convince somebody, probably Ray, he's really stepped up his game more. Here I am to use more Batman characters. I just want Mr. Freeze to win one or something. I hope you enjoyed Captain Falcon 14. Last week's episode where we used Poison Ivy, Batman villain, in no small part because you suggested it in our reviews and gave us five stars. So I hope you enjoyed that battle. And if you didn't listen to it, what's wrong with you? Go do it because that battle was great. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. We'll be celebrating, guys. Hashtag Ray was right. Hashtag winning streak. Hashtag Eagle Fang Karate. Am I right? That's all I got to say about that. Johnny Lawrence is a treasure. Johnny Lawrence is an icon. And Johnny Lawrence deserved to win this fight. He earned it. He earned it. I'll give you that. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. And check out the Who Would Win website at whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. The holidays are upon us. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, and each recipe couldn't be easier to follow. With Every Plate, you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. And all that for the same price as one cup of coffee. It's assuredly cheaper than that pumpkin spice latte. Last week, my family challenged me to make something great for dinner. So I ordered the amazing hibachi style steak rice bowls from every plate for my family. Super easy and super quick to prepare, by the way. Now my entire family thinks I'm an amazing cook. And thanks to every plate, you know what? They're not wrong. Each meal gives you simple step-by-step instructions and pre-portioned ingredients to make it fast and easy. Hey, I've said it before. If you can build a bookshelf, you can make a great meal with every plate. And the choices are varied. I've personally made crispy Caesar chicken, pork and poblano tacos, and bibimbap. And all of the above turned out absolutely fantastic. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. That's just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. Try this offer and you'll see firsthand why every plate is America's best value meal kit. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.